Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. Hey, good to have you with us today. This is the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. I'm your host, Bill Kelly. Good to have you with us today. Uh, with the presidential election uh, getting into high gear, well, at least some people would suggest one of the sides seems to be getting into high gear. Uh, it seems one of the themes that seems to be emerging over the last week, especially, is the competency of the incumbent. Joe Biden is under the microscope, and this is not a new story. There's always been some concerns about uh, the president and, and his uh, his memory and things of this nature. Uh, but what I think fueled that fire just a little while ago was a report that came out from an independent counsel uh, that has really raised some questions. Uh, some suggest, you know, not legitimate questions about um, the President Biden's competency. Joining us to talk about that and the implications, uh, pleased to welcome back to the show, Reggie Cicchini, who is the Washington correspondent for Global News in the U.S. Capitol. Reggie, great to have you with us today. Thanks so much for this. Thank you, Bill. Uh, as we mentioned, we've heard stories about this innuendo before, that competency is one of the things that uh, that Trump has always tried to nail his opponents on. He's done it with Nikki Haley, certainly doing it with Joe Biden. Uh, but this one kind of came out of the blue. This, uh, of course, is a special counsel, Robert Hur, who is investigating Biden's uh, involvement with uh, documents, uh, sensitive documents and things of this nature. Uh, and uh, by the way, he said no charges should be laid in that. That's, I guess, the good news. But that was buried uh, by some of the, uh, Mr. Hur's assessments about Biden. Did anybody see this coming? Well, I mean, look, it's it, there's a couple of things to to try and unpack with that. Number one, you're right on on the no charges thing, and it was kind of the lesser talked about uh, point in the report. Although it, it begs the question, you know, there, there's longstanding DOJ policy that you can't charge a sitting president. So is it totally unexpected that Joe Biden wasn't going to face any charges here? Not the most, uh, especially when you have the former president trying to claim that presidents should have all kinds of immunity against prosecution. So I mean, there's a whole lot to unpack when it comes to that. Um, when it comes to the, the comments that were made uh, deep within this report about the kind of mental acuity of the president, I mean, you know, look, some some Republicans, some Democrats, some presidential candidates have really tried to address Joe Biden's age uh, as as a problem here to see it inside a, a written report. I mean, the the, the president's uh, uh, rather Joe Biden's uh, campaign team, the vice president, other Democrats have come out to say that these were gratuitous comments. But I mean, look. The Department of Justice, uh, and and with that, the Attorney General appointed this Republican prosecutor, this Trump appointee, to be in charge of this special counsel uh, to go out after this to do this report. Is it surprising to see a Republican go after a sitting president and their 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 kind of cognitive skills? Maybe not, but I guess there's there's secondary questions here. Is did, did Joe Biden do this to himself by appointing Merrick Garland, who has done everything that he can? to make the DOJ seem like it's not attached at a string to the White House. Um, and by doing that, he's appointing people who he believes are going to give a fair and, and, and just report. But ultimately, fair and just don't really exist in, in the world of politics anymore. So, I mean, were the words expected? Possibly. Are they being pushed back on? Very hard. Well, especially when some of the words that uh, that, uh, that were used in this report, uh, things like uh, memories, hazy, fuzzy, faulty, poor memory uh, during the interviews and the investigations. Uh, almost painting a picture of Mr. Magoo. Uh, maybe some people wouldn't get that reference, but you know, this old kindly old gentleman, oh, he's very likable, but he's just, he's just not there as much as he probably should be. Uh, and I, I've saw some of the comments, and I'm sure you reported on those too. I know you guys did over the last couple of days 
uh, that that Mr. Hur is is a legal representative. He's not a psychiatrist. He's he's not qualified to make those sorts of judgments. But there they were. But you raise a very valid point. I wanted to ask you about this. So let me just kind of dovetail into this. Merrick Garland saw this report before it became public. Uh, would he not have said, "Wait a second, that's that's above and beyond. That shouldn't be there." He again, as I, I guess you say, trying to look like he's he's trying to be fair to everybody. He let it go, knowing full well, I would assume, that, that there were going to be consequences. I mean, it, a part of that is unsurprising. I mean, look at what happened when Robert uh, when Robert Mueller's special counsel report came out uh, about Donald Trump. Bill Barr uh, had ultimate say in wheelings mm. and dealings as to what was was going to ultimately be released. I mean, Bill Barr took a completely different route than than uh, Merrick Garland did. But, you know, for this report to come out, Garland essentially, on the assumption here, didn't want to make it look like he was getting involved in a process that could be seen as him kind of playing the role of the president's attorney. And ultimately what we found here were the words, you know, to, to see something like like a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory written in this report. I mean, it's worth pointing out that the reason some of those words were put in there are what is buried at the very end of this report in that the special counsel said, we don't believe that there would be enough evidence here to mount a successful prosecution, but also that if he presented Joe Biden to a jury, that there may be some sympathies there because the jury may perceive him as an elderly, well-meaning man with a poor memory. I mean, it's not um, it, it, that's not really a luxurious uh, endorsement of of a commander in chief to see this uh, in writing. And you're right, you know, these are these are qualities that almost seem partisan from this prosecutor who is who is undertaking this report. But ultimately, this now brings to the front burner a matter that Democrats and the Biden campaign had really been working for the last four years to make not a problem in that Joe Biden is fit and sound and able not only to continue this term, but also to run for uh, another term. And as they're trying to to kind of gloat about the things that Biden has done over the last few years, including bringing the economy back from kind of the brink of collapse here. They now have to deal with the fact that his age is still a problem and polls are showing more and more Americans see his age as a problem. So the words in the report are one thing, but the fact that they resonate with Americans is a completely different thing. It's got to be frustrating, though. I know you, you talk to folks on the Hill on a, on a regular basis on both sides of the political fence here. Uh, and that, as you say, as we're drawing closer to the election in November, this is not the narrative the Democrats want. They don't want to be talking about Biden's mental acuities here. Uh, they want to be talking about the way the economy's improved. And 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 there's a lot to be, I, I guess, you know, full-chested and braggocious about uh, in what has happened here. And I, I know Sarah Perquina wrote about it in USA Today, essentially saying, is somebody going to tell Biden that there's an election campaign on? Because he's not running. He's not acting like he's running. He's not running on his record. He's playing defense. And it, what's that old phrase that I think you mentioned to us a couple of uh, uh, sessions ago? Uh, if you're explaining, you're losing. And, 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 and right now, the Biden administration is explaining, and that's not what they want to be doing at this stage, is it? No, it, it's not. Uh, and, and the question is, how are the words that were in that report versus the the kind of percentage of Americans out there that don't think that Donald, uh, that, that Joe Biden is fit enough to carry out and continue on as the role as presidency? How is that going to play out here over uh, the next several months, especially once we get beyond primary season? It just becomes what is anticipated to be a Biden-Trump rematch once we get through uh, the nominating process. Look, I talked to a, a Democratic strategist last week who said that this is going to be the test for the Biden campaign. This is not 2020. Donald Trump, who was out on the campaign trail in the midst of a pandemic, uh, 
you know, kind of set the tone for for what 2024 might look like. But Joe Biden is not going to be able to do this from his basement. He's not going to be able to do this with these very small focus groups um, if he's trying to kind of put forth this kind of uh, uh, public feeling that he is up for the job. This campaign, at least in the eyes of, of Democratic strategists and some Democrats on the Hill, needs to be filled with, um, you know, a, a Joe Biden who's able to take on, um, you know, big public forums uh, and and have big speeches without kind of trailing off or getting lost in his thoughts or, or forgetting things. I mean, look, all of this kind of started once again after the report was released when Joe Biden came out to give that speech pushing back on the information within the report. And then ad hoc took a couple of questions on foreign policy when it had to do with Israel and immediately made a mistake by confusing the Egyptian president with the Mexican president. And it reignited exactly everything that he was trying to walk back. And there are growing concerns amongst the Democratic Party that this is going to be a problem on the campaign trail um, if the president isn't able to get up there and carry out a speech without making a flub. Look, Donald Trump, makes flubs. We've seen that in the past, mm -hmm. but they're not being focused on. Just the Biden ones are because he's the incumbent. Well, and they seem to be driving the narrative here, which uh, I guess is very frustrating for the Democrats. Uh, to the point, uh, even, you know, we just finished Super Bowl weekend, of course. Traditionally, the president usually has to sit down with the network of whoever's broadcasting in this particular time it was CBS. Uh, he's passed on that the last couple of years. Republicans jumped all over that and said, well, you know, it's because they're afraid to put him in front of a camera. Uh, Trump did it uh, in the past, uh, much to his chagrin. There's the now famous Jonathan Swan interview that he did uh, uh, just before the last election, which I, I think sank Trump. Uh, prob I don't know if it was the deciding factor, but it certainly exposed Trump for, for what he was. Uh, when can they get the Democrats, that is, when they can can they get Biden out there and and being Joe Biden, being that aggressive guy, the, the tough guy, the you know the the Pennsylvania blue collar guy that's going to stand up there and say I'm not taking any BS from you guys. I don't know. Uh, it's it's a good question. Look, there are some Democrats uh, who said that they were they were happy that the White House opted to not allow for the president to do a big, massive interview uh, in and around the Super Bowl, uh, fearful uh, of what could be said, particularly if it was a live interview or if it was not how it may be edited. But there are other Democrats that say that Joe Biden needs to get out there. He needs to show that he can do it. And I mean, look, last week when he came out and gave that very last minute called news conference at, at the White House, again, about the special counsel report, um, there, there was an angry president standing there pushing back at the media uh, when he didn't like the questions that were being asked at him. And, you know, his demeanor came off as a as a little questionable. But at the end of the day, it showed that he he can have what it takes um, to be able to stand up and answer questions. At the same time, though, he does this so infrequently. He does not hold big press conferences. He's never come to the press room uh, uh, at the White House for uh, for in the briefing room. Um, so the interactions between the press and, and, and the president aren't they don't happen very often. So there isn't this opportunity for the president to be able to kind of answer questions whenever people have them without having a list of who's going to be taking the questions here. So, I mean, some people wanted him to be able to answer questions. Others did not want him to be in a position of possibly finding himself like Donald Trump was, where he's caught up uh, and, you know, in, in things that may or may not be true. And it becomes a, a bit of a memeable thing or a gifable thing uh, on social media. But, you know, time is of the essence here, especially for this incumbent president. Um, and and the, the White House and, and the campaign need to be very careful about how they're moving forward with what they're doing with, with President Biden in a public light, because it can easily become fuel for Republicans. 
that was the narrative the first part of the weekend. And, and of course, as you've been telling us for years now, uh, you know, you, you never take time off when you're covering Washington because stuff can happen anytime. Uh, then came uh, Trump's speech uh, over the weekend uh, where he essentially said that uh, that if you're not up to date with your payments to NATO, uh, he says, I would encourage Putin to invade that country. I would say, go ahead and do whatever you want. Uh, everybody was shocked. The NATO heads are shocked. A number of governments. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, this is not front page news on the Washington Post or the New York Times. It, it was reported, but this is this is the sort of thing that basically feeds right into the, the Putin narrative, uh, whose raison d'etre for the last number of years has been to destroy NATO. And it looks like if Trump wins this election in November, he's going to be the biggest ally and maybe the one who's going to orchestrate that that breakup. I mean, look, the, the words, the, the the phrasing that was used by the former president was 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 was. was ridiculous. I mean, to, to kind of stir the pot right now and seem like you're siding with um, a, a dictator. I mean, there are some Republicans questioning what, what the former president said. Democrats are pushing back uh, you know, vehemently here. European allies to the United States are questioning whether or not they need to be in a position of having a secondary plan to move forward here if Donald Trump wins and ultimately decides that he's going to withdraw the United States from NATO and what that's going to mean for um, for the kind of defense alliance, at least within continental Europe, and how they may be able to, be able to push back on uh, on Vladimir Putin and any kind of Russian uh, threat. Um, you know, I, I think it, this is going to spark that conversation, at least within Republican circles, that they'll try to trickle down, um, you know, and, and kind of skew the facts to the electorate here that, oh, look, this is all about money. But ultimately, you know, the former president's talking about this 2% uh, GDP defense spending that, you know, is is kind of a... Um, not quite a base or a ceiling, but just a number that's not kind of set within the treaty here. But ultimately, look, the president's trying to say we're, we're going to walk out or the former president, we're going to walk away from NATO. And, and what is it doing? I mean, it's kind of feeding into that base of, of the electorate on the Republican side that may be on side with what Tucker Carlson did and sat down and had this kind of one on one with Vladimir Putin. And, and you know, it questions where the Republican Party is ultimately moving here, especially when you have the House pushing back on funding for Ukraine. I think Donald Trump is playing to a section of the United States and possibly a foreign audience. But ultimately, you know, is that going to be enough to get him elected? Are those words going to come back to haunt him? It's, it's possible. But again, that's the kind of stuff that then provides fuel for Democrats. And, and I mean, your point's well taken. I mean, you know, as, as people analyze Trump's words, uh, that says one thing. I, I don't believe for a second that there's actually a world leader that asked him that question. Uh, and and it, it just seems, okay, but he's done that in the past. You know, people say, and he goes into what the point is he wanted to make, you know, this guy said, first of all, I don't think any world leader would ever call him sir. Uh, mm -hmm. But quite aside from that, the message of what he wants to do is quite believable because that's essentially what he tried to do to NATO while he was the president. Not, not necessarily break it up, but basically cause dissension within the ranks there. Uh, with, with France, the UK, and with others, and certainly with Canada. Uh, and as a matter of fact, on this side of the border, uh, we should be very concerned about those words because we're one of those countries that he's targeted in the past and says we're not doing our share. Uh, I mean, for sure. Look, there's a number, number of ways that Canada could find itself, you know, concerned by what Donald Trump has said, either when it comes to how Donald Trump has treated Canada or if Donald Trump were to say, look, I'm giving a free pass to Vladimir Putin to pay uh, to invade anybody who happens to not be uh, paying, you know, the 2% the Canada, obviously not in that top percentage of countries that are making that 2% contribution. Canada also has uh, concerns when it comes to uh, northern sovereignty, Arctic sovereignty, uh, when it comes to uh, Russia as well here. So, I mean, look, 
look, there could be some rattled nerves here to what Donald Trump is saying. But ultimately, look, this is a populist candidate pushing a populist message here, just trying to make it seem like he is going to bring America into this new future um, that, that likely is never going to happen because he struggled to do anything with 2016 to 2020 and ultimately lost the election. Um for a variety of different reasons here. So, I mean, you know, Trump's bluster is simply going to work to rally up his base. Now, I think there could be a question here. If you heard Joe Biden make a comment that was allowing Russia or Vladimir Putin to kind of carte blanche do what they want, if if they, you know, somebody else doesn't think that that money is on the table, there would be cognitive questions about Joe Biden's ability to move forward. Are those same questions being put towards Donald Trump? They're not. Look, there's polling out there that suggests 86% of Americans think Biden is too old. Trump just three years uh, younger. That number is only 62%. But those comments are not raising the same kind of questions over over mental acuity. And I think there is a bit of a double standard here when it comes to how the electorate looks at these two candidates. Well, especially when you look at some of the characterizations and you might expect, okay, Fox News, well, you know whose side they're on. And uh, But I think the frustration I'm hearing from a lot of Democrats these days is that uh, the so-called mainstream media, uh, you know, the major networks, the three major networks, uh, plus CNN, and of course, I mentioned the Times and, and Washington Post, uh, they don't seem to be getting the message here. As a matter of fact, they seem to be pulling a Merritt Garland here and trying so much and so hard to to try to look like they're being even-minded that they're basically going after Biden and giving Trump a pass. Uh, that's, this is deja vu over again. Isn't that what happened the year Trump got elected? Except I mean, it was Hillary Clinton then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, networks at the at at this moment are doing what they can to ensure that they have ratings because we've seen slumps, we've seen cuts across yeah. uh, the media landscape in the United States, and ultimately, whatever they're trying to play to, they're they're assuming that it's going to draw viewers in. Um, you know, but at, at issue here is if you're simply trying to draw viewers in by taking one message or another, ultimately, you may be doing a disservice, particularly to facts and particularly uh, to to journalism here. And and you're right, look, Fox News is not going to change its views. It may change its views on on the candidate. But ultimately, whoever the candidate ends up being or the nominee ends up being, Fox News is going to end up being behind that mm -hmm. kind of candidate. Um, for the other networks, I mean, look, they're, they're doing what they can here. Um, and, and you know, this this is a this is a moment in this election race where whatever networks are able to put out there, I mean, the, the information is 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 important, but um, it needs to be based on on realities here. But at the same time, you know, Networks are are doing what they can to stand up to Donald Trump, while at the same time doing what they can to stand up um, to, to to President Biden, because there are questions that need to be asked, and the White House and the campaign are obviously going to deflect on what some of the realities are. Uh, but ultimately, you know, networks can only do what they can do to get viewers in. Uh, we're a little tight on time, but this was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Then so much other stuff has hit the fan over the last 48 hours or so, Reggie. Uh, a couple of court decisions early, about a week ago now, early this, this past week, uh, about Trump. First of all, he is not immune to, to prosecution. I don't think that surprised too many people. Uh, but the Supreme Court is jumping in on this right now about the, uh, the Colorado and the Maine situation. Uh, there's some concern now about timing and that's always been a concern because we know that the the trump legal team has always said you know delay 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 uh but now that they seem to get the green light now for the major trial that's going on here right now about the the immunity that which was the basis for the, the you know am i immune uh that could be going on right in the middle of the of the summer season which is uh, also convention season uh what's what's the read out there what do you see happening 
I mean, look, this is important. Number one, on the immunity thing, by Monday night, we'll understand whether or not Trump is going to appeal the D.C. Circuit's decision to the Supreme Court. He's quickly running out of time. But if he doesn't do that on Monday, uh, the D.C. ruling is going to stand and Trump is going to find himself not immune from any prosecution. Um, you know, by Tuesday, we will have an answer on that. When it comes to the Supreme Court, when it comes to the Colorado battle, I think we need to look at the fact that the Supreme Court fast-tracked this Colorado ballot issue um, on a timeline that's not often seen by this kind of glacial-moving judicial branch. Um, and the fact that they heard arguments within just a couple of weeks and were expected to get uh, uh, some kind of answer or decision in the next couple of weeks before the March primary, um, you know, I think that this could be one legal matter that Donald Trump is cleared from by the time we head into um, the nominating process. I mean, look, the, the justices, even the liberal leaning justices all seem to push back on Colorado's claim here that one state should be able to determine who uh, can run and who can't run uh, on a ballot. And the fact that you have liberal leaning justices asking those questions almost makes it feel like this is a done deal. And Donald Trump eventually, essentially, um, could find himself on the winning side here as we head towards uh, the middle part and eventually the general election that he will likely be the name uh, on that ballot. I think there are bigger questions here now as to what the immunity case is going to do. Is Trump going to find himself standing before Judge Chutkin in Washington, D.C. on the January 6th and election subversion charges? That's a real possibility. Also have to watch the documents trial. I mean, there's a big push between uh, uh, Special Counsel Smith and Judge Cannon in Florida uh, over the release of names and, and the delay of that trial. That is one to watch over the coming days, if not maybe the coming weeks here, to see if Jack Smith is ultimately able to get Judge Cannon removed from the case. That is something that almost appears to be coming towards a boil here. So, I mean, Trump may be clear in one, but there are two other trials uh, cases that could pose serious problems as we move in the weeks down the line. Yeah, right. This stuff. It's amazing. The twists and turns that are ongoing. And as always, we'll be uh, watching for your reporting on this over the next couple of days. Very, very critical times here. Reggie, as always, thank you so much for joining us today. Really do appreciate it. Thank you. Reggie Cicchini, uh, Washington correspondent for Global News, uh, as we continue. And that's it for this edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast. You can catch us, of course, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Until next time. Take care. We'll talk again soon. Bill Kelly Podcast brought to you by Wizens Law. Personal injury lawyers, listen, you didn't choose to get injured, but you can choose the right lawyer. Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 or wizenslaw.com.